responding to not good enough and inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm the hungover birthday boy, Mitch Alexander. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> no, I need it. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And as always, we've got Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking and counting down to the second how long we're in lockdown for. More maybe for longer. I don't know. There's a whole mm. riff on a... Um, on the on the on the wording that the Dan Andrews government has put into the official <laughs> lockdown legislation, oh, yeah. but you know what? I'm too hungover to riff. <laughs> I don't rate that. There's this conspiracy theory that it's like, oh, he said it's a five day lockdown, but the legislation says two weeks, as though any of the sort of controlling principles of democracy have mattered at all. In the last year. Like, come on, hang on. He said he could lock down any tower, but he only targeted at disadvantaged communities. <laughs> you could be next to Iraq. It's like I fucking doubt it. <laughs> but the law says, oh, grow up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the exact end. I always feel to people talking about legislation. Grow up! (laughs) (laughs) My energy about Dan Andrews this weekend is that he ruined my Valentine's Day weekend. I had two days planned, which were really romantic, and he fucked it up because he couldn't get a date. (laughs) Thank you, Insult Andrews. And now you're just trapped at home with your husband. I know, so rude. (laughs) Let's hit hit Y, let's double back down. Why are we all pissed off again? Oh, because bloody Victoria's got the bloody coronavirus again. Despite <laughs> legislation clearly saying no more coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, wasn't this supposed to be like gold standard? Eh. We had a deal, Dan. We had a deal. We would stan you and you would stop <laughs> us having the virus. That is actually a weird thing. All of, the, all of the language being like, Victoria is the only place on earth that has managed to lock down and to manage to eradicate the virus just like we have. It's like, yeah, also, you totally fucked it up at one point and we fucked it up again. Like, it's not a gold standard. We're just hard workers. It always comes back to the lucky country thing. Like, yeah. you, you know, yeah. Australia is the lucky country and that, even in its origin, was describing how how Australia is a bunch of shit, but it just is lucky. It's not like, oh, the lucky country. It's like, yeah, we're lucky. That's yeah. the one thing we got going for us is luck. Yeah. You don't want to talk about the lucky athlete, do you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the luck that people talk about is purely just out of just doing the wrong thing all the time or the bad thing, and the luck is not necessarily yeah. a good factor. It's the Mr. Mr. Magoo Magoo come- Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Anthony Albanese uh, said the thing that that really... I mean, he said a bunch of shit. It was all, oh, Victoria, we stand with you. Uh, uh. You got this. Oh, so mad. <laughs> he said Victoria... It was like Victoria really handled that second wave well, which is why I know you'll handle the third wave well. And it's like, yeah, we've had a lot of practice fucking it up. <laughs> so we're going to fuck this one up again too. I just really enjoyed when he posted that terrible you've got this graphic. Um, just seeing people in the replies just going, dude, fuck you. We don't need this. Give us money. Like, send money or shut up. (laughs) (laughs) PayPal us for the emotional labour of keeping the rest of the country safe. (laughs) McLean, how did this breakout happen? Oh, fucking hotel quarantine, obviously. Oh. The, we had a bunch of, uh, I mean, people in hotel quarantine who have the case. And the way that Victoria likes to run its hotel quarantine is, uh, let's say, haphazardly. Mm. Where <laughs> they're just like, look, we'll get whoever in to guard it. And if they've got a second job or they live with a bunch of housemates or whatever, that's chill. We're a, mm. we're a laid back state. You know, <laughs> just sign up at the door. <laughs> we'll yeah. give you ten bucks on the way out. Like, it's it's yeah, just the 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 the, the still sort of trying to figure out exactly how it spread. 
within the hotel, there's this sort of concept of like, oh, somebody had a nebulizer and that like made the virus even more airborne and blah, blah, blah. And it's like the way that it's spread inside the hotel is that it's a very infectious virus Mm. and that's where you've put it. Mm. And didn't (laughs) stop it spreading outside. If you're running a hotel, you have to be like, it's probably going to spread in there. Hey, that's mm. where the virus is. <laughs> let's let's be like, all right, let's have a contingency plan if it's spread. But instead, Victoria's just like, we didn't think it would spread inside the hotel. <laughs> it's a quarantine hotel. It says quarantine in the name. The thing with the nebulizer guy too is that ah, oh, this really- oh, that fucking nebulizer guy. It was guy. so that upsetting. Yeah, the poor guy. <laughs> we, we need to talk about the nebulizer guy because there are several points of how this story was played out in the press that were really strange and upsetting and we clearly haven't learnt anything from last year about blaming individual actions instead of yeah. state failures. <laughs> um, so the nebulizer guy that we're going on about is basically a guy who was in quarantine in one of the quarantine hotels. He asked- the quarantine staff, he said, hey, I have really bad asthma. I need to use a nebulizer to take my Ventolin. And quarantine said, look, it's technically it's not allowed, but also you're clearly, you know, having a bad time of it. So we're going to permit this happening. So he actually went to the effort of saying, I need to use yeah, He this. declared the nebulizer. He declared yeah. it and he talked to them. And unfortunately, it looks twice. like- Twice, yes. And it looks like that the nebulizer has- had a part in spreading the disease in the quarantine hotel. Yeah. It, one thing that really bothers me about general press when it comes to talking about infectious people in the hotels or people crossing borders is that there is the obsession with thinking the virus has got to come from a patient zero. So one mm. person, we have to talk about this person as if they are the prime viral load. And yeah. even despite people saying, oh, no, we can't really just target this guy, the fact that you're talking about this one person is immediately putting a target on their back. This guy ended up in hospital in intensive care (laughs) on a ventilator and was forced to talk to the age and say, I had to talk to Quarantine Victoria (laughs) about this. I got it all okay. Imagine having to defend yourself from a hospital bed. That's so crazy. (laughs) The fucking... Journos battering down the walls of the ICU. Why'd you use a nebulizer, mate? <laughs> Why? Your patients, you've given Victoria the coronavirus. No, the quarantine hotel program gave Victoria the coronavirus. Yeah. You have to assume that it's going to spread inside the hotel and take precautions. Dan Andrew, you fucking little shit. Dan Andrews himself had a wink and a nod towards this guy at a press conference where he did, he did the, the proper politician thing of going, now look. I don't want to say that the guy with the nebulizer is the sole reason why Victoria has had to lock down and it's super irresponsible to use a nebulizer and anyone that uses a nebulizer is actually a piece of shit that should be handed by the press. I don't want to say that. Not at all. Not going to say And this guy from a fucking ventilator in ICU was like, I asked permission... You liar! Like, it's just, it's the most insane, like, political target to paint on someone. It's like, yeah, someone in a hospital, fuck them. What are they going to do? Yeah. Cough their way through uh, an apology. See, the bloody problem with this bloody guy is he went into the quarantine program with coronavirus. So, there's his first mistake. Now, I don't want to point any fingers, but he should have thought twice before having coronavirus in our hotel quarantine program. Yeah. Because it clearly wasn't set up to handle that outcome. <laughs> These hotel quarantines would work really well if it wasn't for all the bloody coronavirus patients. (laughs) Oh, my God. 
Um, for anyone who doesn't know what a nebulizer is, because it's kind of a foggy concept, is it's just this little little handheld unit or sits on your desk and it, it makes a small compressed. Galaxy. Uses compressed air to deliver <laughs> yeah, some medication stars to onto you. the ceiling of your bedroom. Yeah. I was, it, I was thinking it's not a that complex machine. It's just a little compressed air. It's a little machine. Thing. It's a little machine that, um, like, digitizes and makes. A me- it's a mechanical version of that Tim and Eric <laughs> mind explosion. It's just that for your little desk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what it does is it's a little machine that projects a fucking target on your back that politicians can use. <laughs> <laughs> we should mention that the, the way this case actually got out, and they always going to have to get out somewhere because all the virus is in the quarantine hotel and it's not an issue until it gets out of the quarantine hotel so like mclean said the trick is stopping it getting out of the hotel um someone who worked at the hotel had a number of housemates and one of those housemates worked at an airport brunetti's which is a little cafe um and Again, I don't want to point out this is not the fault of any of these specific people. This is the fault of a system <laughs> which is like any Melbourne airport Brunetti's. Yeah, so it could have been any housemate of anyone who worked at the hotel because the problem is you got fucking people working in the one place in Victoria where all the virus is, going home to housemates, being allowed to have housemates and having to have housemates who then work in old folks' homes, you know, kissing booths, things like that. Um you should have your Hotel workers, like, treated like fly-in, fly-out workers with their own little accommodation. Yeah. So they don't go out spreading virus to other people. Yeah, and there's certainly an argument that's like, oh, that's that's pretty tough, though. They'd be isolated from their friends. Yeah, so yeah. the other thing that you do is pay them a lot of money. Yeah, because if yeah. you fuck that up just once, suddenly we're all isolated from our friends. Yeah, there's a, there's a phrase that I always think about, which is sometimes the cheapest way to pay for something is with money. Yeah. And it's like... Yeah, just pay them some money, and then we won't have these outbreaks. Like some of them have second jobs, the security guards at these quarantine yeah. programs, because yeah. it's like, well, you know, turns out they're being a quarantine guard at Victoria, preventing the economy collapsing because everyone has to go into lockdown. Yeah. It doesn't pay that well. Why the fuck doesn't it pay that well? <laughs> because oh, you got your second job at a restaurant that you've got to that you've got to work. Well, now all the restaurants are fucking shut. Yeah, it's the exact same thing of if you've got to work more than one job, if you've got to have housemates to pay rent, that's antithetical to working properly as a hotel quarantine worker of any sort, cleaner, nurse, security guard, whatever. Um, that's it, it, it is the economic argument, and it's just ridiculous to me that they haven't decided to pump money into that mm. of all the things they pump money into mm. like i i, I think yeah. it, all the they've done it, it they've done it overseas as well they had nurses go on like month-long working stints or whatever it was in the uk and then isolate and then they can go back home to their families and it's just a big yeah. rotating roster like that it sucks and it would not be good for people to do but like also like as a firefighter like putting out house fires is also not that great but there is a need yeah. in society for some people to shoulder the burden and people want to help and instead of going out onto our driveways at 5am with a candle or, or applauding from our fucking balconies let's make their material lives fucking comfortable as best yeah. we can Maybe. Let's not get started on firefighters because a lot of the ones in Australia are still volunteers who <laughs> we don't. We should get paid also enough. pay the firefighters. We should fucking well. pay them well. Um, <laughs> and then oh. we should also isolate them from their families, but just on. Pre- no, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's because they're actually mostly arsonists. Oh, stop it. Um, and so, oh <laughs> and so, actually, before this lockdown actually happened, we had already started discussing this beginnings of this outbreak, and the hotel quarantine had gone oh, we might need to actually, like, up our safety standards a bit. Let's implement some new measures, like testing people a bit after they leave quarantine or or having 
Oh, uh, a surgical mask and a face shield instead of just a, a basic mask for workers or staggering meal times or putting yeah. buffer rooms between rooms. And it's like, all of these are great ideas. Why isn't the hotel quarantine already running, running at the maximum level of doing all of this stuff? Like, if there's some new measures that would make it safer, do them already! Already be doing them! Ah, uh, well, you know, but, like, the, the, if something goes wrong in hotel quarantine, what's the worst that can happen? Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> One other thing, of course, that this lockdown has brought up is that, much similar to what we talked about uh, around Christmas and New Year, is that the border has been shut. And with that comes all sorts of border fuckery. Just an example of the kind of dumb stuff that has happened since is that a man has now been stranded in the Spirit of Tasmania terminal in Melbourne because and he can't go oh home God. to Tasmania because he didn't get his permit in time and now there's no more flights or any rides going back to Tasmania on the boat. So yeah. good job. Like they couldn't just let him on and say maybe you should quarantine when you get back home. It's so stupid. <laughs> yet, yet again, that is that is an example of Australia just being the saddest and shittest version of things that happen internationally. Like there was yes. that. I think it was. I think it was Tom Hanks. But that movie of the the poor guy that has to sleep in the international airport and he gets up to yeah. all these different the hijinks and 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 he doesn't have a passport and all oh, these governments let him down and Australia gets the fucking <laughs> oh he's trapped in a ferry terminal. <laughs> this is not, it's not an God airport. It's like it. a, a shed with a vending machine. Yeah, it's yeah, six it's seats. more like a bus stop. Than yeah. And an even sadder an example is um, a, a man who is in Europe who was wanting to come home. He's unfortunately, he's terminally oh. ill. And he finally managed to secure a flight back to Australia. And of course, mm, now fuck. can't come back. It's just. Yeah, they missed the window by five hours. Yeah. The, just the the lack of empathy and compassion and just Dan Andrews talking about how, like, you know, we really need to consider how many people we let back in. It only can be on compassionate grounds. It's been oh. a year. It can only be compassionate grounds now. Like, and, and he just let a thousand people in for the Australian Open. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's truly ridiculous and one thing that I wanted to mention is that this is once again a reflection of something that um, – Beru's Bashani, who was imprisoned on Manus Island um, for many years and is finally free in New Zealand, back in mm. July last year, um, just before the second lockdown, he said, uh, made an incredibly good point about Australia's attitude to borders. I'm just going to quote it directly. You cannot separate what you have done to refugees from what happens to parts of your society. The border is part of Australia and it reproduces at home. And he calls it Manus Prison Theory. Just the idea that, like, you know, we have such an internalised view of who is good yeah. and who is bad and what our borders mean that, of course, that as soon as it happens within our country, we just think, well, you should have known better. You should have come back earlier. Yeah. You know, you have no right to cross the border. From that same uh, Bruce Bichani thread, the, he says, they always blame the vulnerable. It's part of their mentality. Instead of empowering marginalised and stigmatised peoples, they simply blame and punish them. Yeah. And that's like the, the, the fucking dude in the ICU. It's mm. just, we can't help but just be like, oh, you did it. Yeah, th yeah, it's 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 so terrible. Yeah, like the dude in Taz, like who wanted to go, he's a Tasmanian resident. He has every right to go back home. There's no reason to keep him here. There's no reason to let him not let him go back home and just isolate there. But it's just like, well, you should have thought about going back earlier. There was no, there was no mm. way for him to go back earlier. He was literally here only for 24 hours to bring back his stuff from his Melbourne flat to go back to Tasmania, and they didn't Ooh. let him go. It's so stupid. Poor guy had a breakup. It's now it's even worse. Like, can I crash with you for? Oh lord. <laughs> 
the thing that gets me as well, like on the flip side of that, is the like the the tweets and the and the discourse around like, oh well, you know, the federal government can can organise refugees on offshore detention, but can't even get a bloody hotel quarantine situation going. Get up that up to scratch shows that like that. <sighs> That we have internalized the propaganda about how we should treat borders and how we should treat the disenfranchised and the marginalized people. Because it's all like labor people going, oh, it's not Dan Andrews' fault. We should be getting the same sort of, like, you know, the, the same sort of attention and processes that we use to torture refugees used in hotel quarantine. And if you are thinking that the program that we had that was solely devised to torture, asylum seekers and to um, discourage people from trying to get here from overseas could be in any way used for hotel quarantine, then you've just drunk the Kool-Aid. You're failing to see that yeah. they are in no way compatible. And yet we we really do just have this mentality of like, well, these poor people, these marginalised people, these disenfranchised people, these sick people, they're pieces of shit. Me, good person, why can't they just do what I would have done hypothetically or, you know, why can't we treat mm. these people like they are refugees because we treat refugees well? Like, it's just, we've lost it. It's people trying to score a point, but not even a good point. Because the, the federal government isn't running an effective uh, immigration or refugee centre. They're running some shitty, expensive death camps. Yeah. Not even processing refugees in any yeah. humane or effective way. Deliberately shitty. Yeah, and wasting vast amount of money at, at the same time. That's just every part of Australia government, get your shit together. Stop trying to point out what the other part of the government is doing badly, you know. Or do point it out, but fucking fix your own shit. I, I, have, a, I have a concern that there's some hypothetical listener out there being like, you, you, you podcast hosts are being inconsistent because you, you want to let the Tasmanian ferry guy home, <laughs> even though there's a you know virus escape risk, but you also want the quarantine hotels to be locked down even harder. Hmm. I don't think that's an inconsistent stance. I, I've just had that echoing around in my head just from some you know imaginary person that I hate. Um, yeah, you're making yourself mad it, with shower thoughts. <laughs> I, I really am. But I, I just wanted to acknowledge that and just point out that it's a consistent position that we just want the government to, one, take the virus seriously and understand its behaviours as a virus and not as like a moral threat or, a you know, a, a foreign enemy or something. It's, yeah. it's a virus and, and we need to take it that like seriously in that regard. And then secondly, treat people well instead of blaming them for shit. Yeah. Like, actually manage a systemic problem systemically instead of only having fucking cop brain about it because that's yeah that's yeah i don't know if that's a particularly well elucidated point but whatever no nah, it's good go fuck yourself yeah. hypothetical listener <laughs> yeah go to hell <laughs> if you were thinking oh that doesn't quite add up <laughs> fuck you <laughs> oh my god get fucked whoa <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think the fact of the matter is that we are going to have shitty things like quick border closures and stuff happening without warning as this time goes on. But by this stage, we should have systems in place. That guy stuck in Tasmania should now have a place to stay because we go, oh, there was a snap border closure. It's okay. We have nah, accommodation set up for Fuck everybody <laughs> who has been trapped here because of that. Or we have systems in place to figure out who gets to get in or out of the border closure instead of every time being like, oh, no, oh, people are running the border. Oh, no, this person's had an emergency. This person's stuck. People are staying in sheds or sleeping in cars and we're somehow angry at them about that or they should have tried hard. No, we need systems in place to take care of all the people who are 
We, we should have a, a welfare system for the restaurants who've just had to close over Valentine's Day. But we don't, because it's taken us by surprise every single time. And that's the thing. It's, it's the same shit that's taken us by surprise every single time. It's yeah. like, oh, quarantine guard had worked multiple jobs, <laughs> that sort of thing. It's like, if we could solve that problem, which is not a difficult problem to solve, then we would be able to build systems that take care of the people that fall through the cracks. Yeah. That's, that's it. It's happened in every state and they all go, oh, a quarantine guard has been the source of a disease getting out of quarantine. <laughs> sure hope that doesn't happen here. <sighs> <laughs> it's good news. Exxon no, Mobile. Don't do that to <laughs> Exxon Mobile announced the closure of its Altona oil refinery recently. Hey, that is objectively good news. Mm. Yeah. It's good news. Uh, unrelated, though, unfortunately, the climate denial policies uh, that we have in place in Australia means that there's absolutely no safety net or transition plan in place for the 350 workers that are there. So it looks like they're actually all just going on to welfare during a global pandemic, yeah. which is not good news, despite that fucking joke up top, because this section is actually just going to be about how the fucking Liberal Party want to just throw that. What they would love is a situation where these workers that are entrenched with uh, climate change changing the face of the fossil fuel industry. They could get those workers and just shove them in those battery pods from the Matrix. That's all that they're <laughs> after. That's what they fucking want. So we should be celebrating the fact that ExxonMobil has closed an oil refinery because it's no longer financially viable for fossil fuel companies to be involved in the fossil fuel industry. The entire world is fucking going green. But instead, this is a fucking labor issue. 350 workers are now just essentially fucking stuck. This was a surprise yeah. announcement as yeah. well. If the, if the LNP had its way, they would put them in the pods from the Matrix because it's like, and then we'll store them there until climate change is fixed and we can start burning fossil fuels again. <laughs> if the LNP was in charge of the bus from speed and we told them the bus would explode if it ever went below 50 kilometres an hour, they'd go, well, I guess we'll just keep driving as fast as possible forever. Problem solved. No, at some point you've got to get the bomb off the bus. You can't drive a bus forever. The bus has a bomb. That's the problem is the bomb, not the speed. Um, one thing that this closure has, uh, that has brought to light, for me at least, is that at the last election, um, when the Greens were talking about their plan for a Green New Deal for Australia and, you know, having a transition plan for employees of fossil fuel industries. We've talked about so many times in previous episodes of how coal mines are basically saying there's no point in us running in Australia. Let's like, you know, we're going to close. And the government's like, please, but the jobs. And the Greens are like, hey, we have this plan over here where we can transition people into renewable energy. We have like a guarantee for them to actually, you know, go into like a better industry and not have like immediately 350 workers on Centrelink. So, of course, this is the natural course of events where the LNP and Labor are basically like, no, we don't want that. Let's just put them on Centrelink and fend for themselves instead. It's, yeah. oh, it's just maddening. It's like, when the asbestos mines closed, that was a lot of jobs, a lot of really shitty jobs, but those jobs put bread on the table and there was the same arguments. Oh, we can't we can't regulate the asbestos industry. That's jobs. Jobs, 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 jobs. Those, those mines had to close. There's two main characters in this story, um, from my point of view at least, and this is just f fucking mind-blowing for me. We've talked about Joel Fitzgibbon before. He's the Labor Minister for the Liberal Party. <laughs> And he is he is the obstreperous, like, wedge, I'm for the miners part of the Labor Party. And he's always trying to push the, like, oh, we should just be mining, blah, blah, blah. 
And there's also Nationals Queensland Senator Matt Canavan, who had the um, Coal Lives Matter. I think that was the sticker on his fucking oh, yeah. car. Whenever he appears on Sky News, he has these banners in the background like hashtag start Adani and like proud coal mining family. And he's coal not. Coal Lives a- Matter until the refinery gets shut down. And then they're not coal lives anymore. So who gives a fuck? <laughs> black coal. Uh, Isaac in our headphones with a very important update. It's Black Coal Matters, which is even more offensive. <laughs> well done, Canavan, you fuckhead. Oh, he's a, he's a, he cosplays as the working class he appears in photos with like like what looks to be coal smeared on his face which doesn't happen coal miners can't do that it'd, it'd kill him um <laughs> so that's not true it would not kill them it it uh, if yeah, no, that, that health benefits. they ended up with a bunch of coal smeared on their face that's what would kill them smearing coal say, on your face is largely safe i'm yeah, gonna say it, coal miners do end up grubby yeah, but not on their face that they wear masks. <laughs> Lang's like Lang's that nineteen twenties in like radio host. It's like get down in the coal mines. Good for what ails you. <laughs> it's just like the strong guy, like huff some coal dust, <laughs> makes you big and strong, just like our industry. If it's in your lungs, that's not great. But this whole section is is a distraction. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> on your face, it's a okay. In your lungs, you're gonna die. Um, yeah. But so Joel Fitzgibbon ostensibly in the Labour Party, not sure about that, and and the Nationals Queensland Senator Matt Canavan both made statements about this closure. And this is how bad the political landscape of Australia has gotten recently. Joel Fitzgibbon from the Labour Party, apparently the other, the other major party, the left wing that we can vote for, the alternative to the coalition, said, quote, as we lament the latest disastrous refinery closure, we should remember that to retain refineries, we need something to refine. As our current provinces deplete, we need to commission new opportunities to extract more crude oil. Uh. That's fucking dumb. The problem isn't a lack of crude oil. The problem is the entire world is going green and the oil industry is collapsing financially and also morally and good. Fuck them. Yeah. Wait, is he genuinely pushing that the, the that ExxonMobil closed the Altona refinery because they ran out of crude oil? Is that his stance? It's it's brain dead. Oh, we didn't have enough. It's brain dead. And he knows it. It's really important to point out Exxon shut this refinery because they they added up the economics of it and they went, it is just not worth our while to keep this yeah. refinery open. Like they're not making. It's not because they can't find any fucking oil. Where's the oil gone? It's like, no, number went down. That's it. So, Joel Fitzgibbon, Labor Party, we need to commission new opportunities to extract more crude oil. Ugh. Matt Canavan, from the Coalition, Nationals Queensland Senator, quote, The closure of our third last oil refinery risks lots of manufacturing jobs in petrochemicals too. To rebuild our refinery capacity, we have to find more oil. These job losses are the consequences of state governments banning drilling so short-sighted. There is fundamentally no difference between the Labour Party and the Liberal Party at this point in time. It's not... Nat Can- Matt Canavan isn't even Liberal Party. He's Nationals, which is like yeah, half the Liberal Party. Yeah, That's insane to me. That is, and, and yet we will continue to get people like Jed Kearney and Penny Wong and Anthony Albanese being like, <laughs> Joel Fitzgibbon doesn't represent the Labour Party and also we're for some type of net emission reduction thing. Oh, we're actually pretty green. It's like, no, you're fucking not. Shut no. Joel Fitzgibbon the fuck up or shut up yourself. There's no alternatives here. Yeah. It's it's absolutely also like, you know, when when blacksmiths were going out of business because there was no more horses to shot. If they're like, we've got to support blacksmiths, we need to start up more stables. Okay, now you've got two workplaces which are both going to go out of business. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really long... <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I have no idea what that means, but I assume blacksmiths need horses. <laughs> yeah, well, they do. You know. They make horseshoes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Well, so what I, what I want to focus on is um, Matt Canavan here. I mean, because Joel Fitzgibbon didn't have much more to say about it, I guess. And also, I feel like we do go in on the Labour Party quite a bit. And it's always worth remembering that, like, the Liberal Party are also worth going in on, at least for the riffs. Um, but mm-hmm. the, the Liberal Party, the coalition at the moment, are, like, publicly toying with the idea of hitting net zero emissions by 2050. And Matt Canavan said that he would cross the floor to vote against signing up for net zero emissions by 2050, saying that it's a mythical target. Just as a a quick thing, to cross the floor means to essentially go to the other parties to vote against it, Um, which is weird (laughs) because he's, he's going to be going over to like one nation. And maybe the like Shooters and Fishers party. But he said, like, I'm going to vote against my party and I'm going to bloody. It's 2050, mythical target, uh, he said. Like, which net, net zero by 2050 is the like bare minimum, not good enough. Like, if you're not signing up to that, fucking what are you doing? But this is something that I struggled with a little bit over the last week. I don't have fully formed thoughts on it yet, but there is some sort of fundamental difference between either like the intensity or the style of evil that the nationals are currently running compared to the liberal party Mm. my hope is that there'll be some sort of fracture in the coalition party or just fucking dissolve Mm. but like they're doing these things where they're like the the nationals are trying to get agriculture australian agriculture exempt from the target Despite the fact that last year, the agricultural sector was 13% of our of our carbon emissions. And they're coming out here with some of the most, like, really insane death cult quotes. Um, Michael McCormick, who is our uh, the Deputy Prime Minister, who was the guy who said that the islands closest to us are going to survive climate change because they come over here and pick our fruit. So, that, that's that guy. He said that we are not worried, or I'm certainly not worried, about what might happen in 30 years' time as a reason why we shouldn't go green and try to bring our emissions down. Barnaby Joyce, his quote was, I'll tell you one thing for certain, none of us in this building will be here. This building being Parliament. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it wasn't like the shed. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a high proportion will have passed away. That's the only thing certain about 2050. For you, maybe! What the fuck? That's death cultery! Insane, solipsistic sort of like, oh, well, you know, like, we'll be dead, so who gives a shit? (laughs) The people who are going to be alive, you fuck. If you're going to be dead, why are you making laws about it? Why don't you (laughs) let some young people who actually give a shit about the future have a say? But you're like, we're going to be dead, but also we're going to fight to the death about what happens (laughs) out of our lifetimes. It's insane as well because they're supposed to be the party of farmers, and yeah. farming is like the one industry which is generational and like survives over hundreds of years and they have to plan for the future. <laughs> it's also the one industry which relies on the climate. <laughs> like, it's- again, we've talked about this before, but it's just the very cynical way in which they use that image of the party of farmers, yeah. though. Yeah. It's like the fake... Um, I've got an Akubra hat on. Yeah, the Akubra hat, <laughs> the brand new RM Williams that have never seen a day of dirt in their lives. <laughs> Yeah, they've still got the creases. <laughs> yeah, like I don't think even like their communities really see them at all unless there's like some sort of a media blitz they need to do for like one grant that happens for a community facility. It's just, mm. 
Yeah, like we're past the point where they could even be considered even nominally a party of farmers. They're pretty much there just for political capital. Yeah. Um, and it just it's so much worse for instances like this where they talk about how, like, you know, they really want to protect the communities who are affected by, you know, losses in fossil fuels, but they just don't. And I don't know what it's going to take for opposition parties like the Labor Party to step up and say, actually, they're lying to you. But I don't think they will. It would take cutting off donations from the big mining companies. Well, yes. (laughs) It's one of these things that we often forget also, and it's something that comes up in America as well, um, is that while the nationals say they represent farmers and miners, they like us to think that that's talking about the you know, the farm workers and the mine workers, but it absolutely isn't. They couldn't give the slightest shit what happens to a farm hand or a guy working in the mines. They're talking about farm owners and mine owners. They're talking about huge industries. Because you have to remember, in Australia, the people who, who are having the influence in the nationals are these huge, huge corporations. They own, like, vast chunks of land. They're basically CEOs. And they can sell that image as farmers, and it's the same in America. They're not the farm workers. Glad you brought that up because this is the this is the thing that I wanted to fucking just hammer uh, about this story. Is Matt Canavan is always on the attack for that sort of stuff, um, wanting you know jobs, 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 secure jobs for Aussie Australian battlers, Aussies battling Australians, and <laughs> to the point where like, you know two weeks ago he was on um, Sky News running the exact same line saying that the New South Wales government needs to do whatever it takes to keep mining going. This was after the New South Wales government denied an expansion of an existing mine. They were just like, there's no reason to do that. It's going to start ramping down. And he was like, oh, 6,000 jobs in the Illawarra, but potentially on the chopping block. And he's always bringing up this line of like, the, the jobs, the jobs, the jobs. We need more oil sites so we have more jobs and we need to keep all these mining refineries for all these jobs. But just to give you a brief reminder, we might have mentioned it before, but Matt Canavan is a grifter. He's a, from a family of grifters. His brother... What you haven't factored in is that Matt Canavan's a grifter. <laughs> His brother, John Canavan, is a little piggy for making bids on coal mines and oil mines. He fucking loves it. They are just big end of town, big business, buying and selling mines as much as they can, or in the case of John Canavan, buying a mine and then running it into the ground because he can't keep them running properly because he's not even a good miner and mine operator. He just gets them. He's like a, he's like a dog chasing a car and he gets, he's like, oh, I don't know, I'm just making money. And then the fucking coal company he runs collapses. Um, that was reported in the Australian and it's the only place that we can find it. But Matt Canavan is not worried about workers' jobs. He is solely worried about his brother's job. Singular. That's it. All of this is fucking ruse. You would think if they were worried about jobs, they would do anything at all about the arts or university sectors in Australia. <laughs> that's that's an important point. 17,000 jobs were lost at universities during the pandemic. You never hear a peep about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just doing some quick maths. That is 48 Exxon Mobil <laughs> Altona refineries worth of jobs. Um, I also want to point out that Matt Canavan's 6,000 jobs number has been widely debunked because what they've done there is they've just counted That's every right. worker. <laughs> they've counted every worker that works in a high emissions industry and they've assumed all of those jobs are gone. 
which you know, fingers crossed. Um, the, <laughs> the the one thing I really want to quickly hit as well. This is like this is my bugbear. It's a union thing, but the United Workers Union released a statement about the Altona closure, and for me, this really was a a statement on how to thread the needle with you know your workers who might not believe in climate change or who think it's a bunch of greeny fucking nonsense and blah 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 while also like not lying about it and also not championing fossil fuel industry so their their statement i want to read a bit from it just because the language in it is really quite amazing for a union to to go with again because I think the workers will be like, yeah, fucking right. And maybe the Labor Party should listen to it. But the quote is, the end of their statement, uh, there is nothing inevitable about the destruction of secure and decent jobs. The Altona refinery workers are highly skilled and valued by their employer. However, our domestic labor market has been hollowed out so extensively that these workers will likely not have equivalent jobs to move into once the site Mm -hmm. closures. This is a failure of vision. If we want to be a country that can ensure a secure and decent job for everyone who wants one, the federal government needs to invest in just transition and quality jobs of the future. For decades, workers have been told they must skill up for the future or be left behind. That's exactly what these workers did. Yet this government has failed to provide opportunities that match these skills. The closure of the Altona site without any plan to repurpose these workers' skills for future industries is a terrible missed opportunity. That is so rich with like, that's greeny dog whistling of like, yeah, climate change. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is this what it feels like? It, yeah, is man. Is what it feels like to be dog whistled? Yeah, to? dude. Nice. See how we're getting really excited by it. We're getting fired up. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, more of that, more of that. But the workers that are there, I just can read that straight up and be like, yeah, the government did fucking leave me behind. See how easy it is. Anthony Albanese. It is right there. Anyway, good on the United Workers. Throw us one whistle, Albanese. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing with closing refineries like this is, and you will sometimes hear people use this as as an excuse to keep them open, is that Australia does have a dependency on, obviously, petrol. We've got a huge reliance on, like, cars and trucks and stuff. We don't make a lot of our own petrol, and we make a lot of coal and gas, but we actually import most of our liquid fuels um, and petroleum. And so closing more refineries like this makes us even more dependent on outside places. Now, I don't think that is a good reason to keep these refineries open. I think that's a good reason to stop being dependent on petrol. Um, and and <laughs> if we were sensible at all, we'd go, hmm, we actually don't need to be dependent on petrol. We can get away from that. Fuck. But yeah. you've got... Idiots like Angus Taylor, who's the federal minister for, and I fucking hate it, energy and emissions reduction. <laughs> and he is, it's some, it's some 1984 shit because his whole thing is increasing emissions. Um, he's trying, he's trying to really bake in our dependency on petrol because they've just released the Australian like future fuels plan. This is meant to be part of our emissions reduction scheme. What are we going to do about transport? It's a huge part of our emissions. It's rising. And and anybody with half a brain goes, okay, so it's got to involve electric vehicles or something, right? Because that is the, the fuel of the future. It's electric vehicles. Angus Taylor's gone, you know what we need more of? Hybrids. Hybrid cars. Yeah, that's the that's the car of the future. What are they, anybody? Yeah, what are they a hybrid between? So a hybrid car is is a petrol car with an oh. electric motor. So it's a bit of a petrol car, it's a bit of an electric motor. Um, do you guys know when hybrid cars first came out and were widely available on the market? 1997. 
the Toyota Prius, right? Uh, so that is, uh, that is a technology that is well over 20 years old. That is a technology that if, if Angus Taylor had said we should have some of those in the year 2000 or the year 2010, I would have been like, great, pretty cool. Oh, that's a neat we idea. Fucking, you can buy a 10 year old secondhand Toyota Prius on a secondhand <laughs> shop right now. We don't, we don't need to be encouraging people to use hybrid cars. Cause here's the thing about hybrid cars. <laughs> They're ugly. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I know enough that's problematic. Your, <laughs> enough of your jock shit. Oh, you can't you can't do good burnouts in them. Fucking idiot boy. Just saying what we're all thinking. <laughs> Angus what Taylor you, has no sense of what style. What are you, Angus Taylor, ten years ago? <laughs> like, <laughs> Hybrid cars are always developed by like these nerds who have no idea of like aerodynamics. Looks like you can have aerodynamics and have a good hybrid car. That's actually that's really interesting. When they when the um, Prius first came out, there was that like the big lumpy like I'm a hybrid version, and then there was also a really normal looking car, and they discontinued the production of that because it didn't sell nearly as well as the one that signaled to everyone around you that you had brought a hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finding this all very problematic. That is like <laughs> Angus Taylor coming out and being like, "Look, we're too reliant on rare earth minerals for our mobile phones. What we need are pages." What the fuck? <laughs> so here's the thing. It's it's well, it's Angus Taylor saying we're too reliant on the uh, on the postal service. What we need are faxes, <laughs> and we go no, we're way past that, Angus. Okay, Evie, just to backtrack a bit, I can't believe you you've derailed us so <laughs> hard. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> just had to say what I felt in the moment. <laughs> so <laughs> the whole hybrids are ugly and for nerds thing was pushed by petrol car manufacturers <laughs> to try and stop hybrid cars being a thing. You it can was. you can get hybrids in every shape and size now. Um, but here's the thing. They need petrol still because the hybrid car still relies on your petrol engine. It just has a little electric motor to make it more efficient than a petrol car. But it is just an efficient petrol car. We need to be moving past that to electric cars. And here's the thing. We could be. You can, again, buy a secondhand electric car. We've had electric vehicles for a good 10 years now that you can just buy at a car shop. I, I don't know where you buy cars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a dealer shop, Lang. It's 10 years now, so reasonably you could probably get like a decent second-hand electric car off car sales. I've but, looked like, it up. You can get a second-hand 2011 Nissan Leaf for about 15000 Done. Um, cool. Which is more expensive than a Holden <laughs> Commodore, but it also... Lang put those uh, details in the show notes. <laughs> but it also... You buy that and you never go to a petrol station again. Oh, the dream. You, that's the dream. And here's the thing. Every country in the world that is actually trying is, even America, is subsidizing electric cars. Because, yeah, they're slightly more expensive, but they pay for themselves very quickly. You subsidize them a bit or you have a system whereby people with electric cars get a tax break or something because they're not making any pollution on the roads and they're incredibly efficient and they don't need air or water or oil and you can drive them on the moon. Um. <laughs> Sorry, Lang, I have a very beginner question when it comes to electric yeah, vehicles. Yeah, please do. Um, the electricity by which they're charged, is that through solar? Is that through green energy itself? You just, you, or is that- You just plug them in. 
Uh, so it's the same electricity that you're using. But then isn't there like a risk of like, say, if I were to get like a leaf, um, like, okay, yeah. cool. I'm get, I've got a car that's a, like doesn't have any emissions. But mm-hmm. the problem, of course, is that I'm still using fossil fuels mm-hmm. if I'm just charging mm-hmm. it through a regular power point or through a charger that's like, you know, just through the grid. So exactly. And that's Angus Taylor's point is he says, ah, but we have a really dirty power grid. And I'm like, whose fault is that, Angus? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the Minister for Emissions Reduction should mm. do something about that. Yeah. <laughs> He's been fighting hard to never have wind turbines or solar panels, but okay, so we've got a dirty power grid. I'll go with you on that, Angus. And if you plug in an electric vehicle in Victoria or New South Wales, currently, if you're running on standard grid mix and you don't have solar panels and you're not buying renewable energy, you're just plugging it into whatever, it is slightly more polluting than a hybrid. It's not more polluting than a petrol car. It's even running on our mostly coal-fired power grid. It's still more efficient than a petrol car because petrol cars are mad inefficient. In fact, if you ran that petrol through a power station and then sent that power to your electric car, you would still be more efficient than a petrol car because they're just a really inefficient system. But Angus Taylor said, okay, but hybrids are still cleaner in Victoria and New South Wales. What he hasn't mentioned is that within five or six years the grid will naturally become cleaner as more and more renewables are added and then electric cars will be cleaner everywhere in Australia than any other form of car. But he hasn't said that because he's changed his little infographic so it only takes in like the next couple of years. And you don't buy a car just for five years, you buy it for a decade. So an electric car is the only kind of car you can buy that actually gets more clean and efficient over time. Because the power grid does. Does that answer your question? It does. Um, okay. So uh, what, what then, like, my next question is, mm. it, it is that, like, you know, if they're going to be more efficient now, um, mm. why isn't there more of a drive then to have, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. like, I'm asking you the, the answer, a question that you yeah. already know the answer to, but then, like, his sort of thing is basically to have that perpetuating cycle of, well, um, where, you know, the grid is really dirty, but we're going to keep the grid anyway. But also, um, why am I shutting down all these car manufacturers in Australia who we could have used to develop hybrid cars or electric cars within Australia that would be efficient? But, have not, like, you know, they're all petrol guzzlers and now all the, the factories are shut down anyway. It's just, it drives me crazy how Australia could have been at the forefront of this, of technology when it comes to, you know, electric cars and, you know, vehicles with, you know, clean energy. And we just pissed it up the wall. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have any understanding or strong opinions about where the cars are actually manufactured. But basically, the way I think about hybrid cars is they're like gas. Angus Taylor is saying they're a transition to electric vehicles, just like gas is a transition to renewables. We already have renewables and electric vehicles. Don't build the transition. Just do the thing <laughs> yeah, that you want to do. You don't need the yeah. bridge. If I can just jump in for a second as well, I'm going to go ahead and put a little uh, labor broken droplet in my Twitter handle. But Evie, <laughs> this actually relates to two things that you were talking about, both the fact that we pissed the opportunity up the wall to become a leader in this and also the machismo that's tied to petrol cars. But do you guys remember in the lead up to the last election, 2019, where Scott Morrison won, one thing that Labor did was that they released a policy that they wanted by 2030 electric vehicle sales to go from 0.2% to 50%. <laughs> This is yet another one of those things like, oh, the Labor Party had a plan to buy a whole bunch of like water bombers and helicopters to fight bushfires. The Labor Party had a policy to increase uh, electric car sales by a bunch. 
and the Liberal Party went yep. absolutely apeshit on this and they dredged out that same propaganda that made us think that, you know, the hybrids are ugly, even though they are. But, like, this, <laughs> I found some direct quotes. This is It's just... When speaking of electric cars, Mr. Morrison said, and you'll probably remember this... And I'll tell you what, it's not going to tow your trailer, it's not going to tow your boat, it's not going to get you out to your fa- favourite camping spot with your family... Bill Shorten wants to end the weekend when it comes to his policy on electric vehicles, where you've got Australians who who love being out there in their four-wheel drives. He wants to say, see you later, to the SUV. Michaelia Cash, the Curry for the Country woman, uh, also said as well during that uh, election cycle, we are going to stand by our tradies and we are going to save their utes. We understand (sighs) choice and that is what Bill Shorten is taking away from our tradies absolutely go fuck yourselves. It's amazing how well that worked in terms of propaganda considering that, you know, like, of course, fuel has nothing to do with how well a car works or how well it doesn't work. It's just... It's an insane, like, culture war thing. Like, you know, it's just the perpetual culture wars that happens in Australia that fuel is tied to your, your penis size or something stupid like that. <laughs> I love – I actually – I know this is a problematic opinion, but I – like cars. I grew up with a younger brother. Uh, we went used to go to car shows. Um, I I know a little bit about like you know older Holdens and Fords and that sort of thing. So I have a bit of a fondness for you know having an Australian brand of car. That's a very nationalistic thing of me to say, by the way. Sorry about that. Um, but that being said, like Holden had the opportunity. To like, you know, and the government, I should say, had the opportunity to turn Holden into a foremost like Australian brand of electric car. We had that right here in the country. You know, they could have manufacturing within Australia and make use of that. But it had to be this culture war bullshit that is turned like, you know, now we don't have Holden factories in Australia. Like Holden is no longer an Australian brand. Yeah. And, and I'm just going to myth bust a thing you probably already know. It's absolutely a false binary because electric cars are more powerful than a standard car. They can do your four-wheel drives and your trucks and everything better than a petrol car ever could. No, but I don't feel cool doing it. <laughs> Dude, don't go. The revs don't sound the same. Fuck up, man. Don't be a wo- don't be a don't be a wuss. If Australia was any good, we would have an electric version of the Holden Sandman, which is the ultimate router car. Yeah, don't get me started. We could have had that. Eve, we could Eve have had it all. struggling without Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> We could have had it all. The electric root of... (laughs) This is what they took from us. (laughs) The electric root fan. (laughs) I could be having carbon neutral roots. (laughs) The electric root fan. (laughs) Fascism alert. The federal health minister, Greg Hunt, appeared on News Breakfast, ABC, the Bow ABC... And he was asked a really, like, softball question. Uh, He was asked why uh, Liberal Party logos were appearing on an Australian government announcement about COVID-19 vaccinations. Uh, He was asked this by Michael Rowland, who is, at best, a centrist journalist. And... That is a, there is a thing to that where, you know, people that are still living in the past think that the the government itself should be different from the political party that's running it. It fucking hasn't been a thing since Kevin Rudd. It's a fucking outdated way of thinking about it. It's bullshit. But regardless, Michael Rowland asked the federal health minister, Greg Hunt, about why you're putting party logos on government announcements. And Greg Hunt lost his fucking mind 
about How it. How dare you ask me about my corruption? He really <laughs> smugly, like, had this shit-eating grin on his face with these tiny little beady eyes going like, oh, well, I, I had a bet with my cabinet that we were gonna that you were going to ask about that. And, you know, like, Michael, you are you are left-identifying. <laughs> uh, you identify with the left. You do this a lot, and, and I respect no, that. No, Minister, no, no, no. You're open about that, and that's entirely a matter No, I find that offensive. I'm asking you. Oh, I'm, come I'm on, exercised about what's There's what's, nobody what's who's right watching who doesn't identify you with the left. And I just want to bring up that as hyperbolic as it might sound, that's fascism. Mm. Fascism is genuinely mostly fucking boring and banal and stupid until it's deadly fucking serious. Is that like anyone who questions me must be the opposition and evil? Not so much that. That's a part of it. It's also undermining the press for anything that isn't fawning praise. Uh It's also trying to make things that are clearly not a left-wing issue into a left-wing issue. That is a big part of it. To sort of say, and and this is the problem with how we talk about climate, is they have made that a political issue and they blame a whole bunch of things on the left wing, as if science is left wing, as if reality has a left wing bias. And it is really just kind of scary to see someone so aggressively from our government go after a journalist and try to pin him to a political party. This is what fascists do to try to not only like build and then hold power, but to undermine the press. I'm bemused, but I did predict but, to people that okay. Michael Rowland would spend 50% of this interview no, on this topic rather than on the safety of vaccines, right rather than wrong. on the rollout I mean, of vaccines. And it's it's not even like what Australian politicians usually do in terms of, haha, I knew you would be saying such a thing. I have rehearsed this for a while. It's It's vicious. And it is smug and it is aggressive and it's genuinely fucking worrying that that's the way they're going as the rumours of an election are picking well, up. It's, it's, it's just the, the sort of the same thing that the government's generally doing, which is this, this aggressive like rejection of the idea that they should be held accountable to anything. For anything, yeah, that's like you look yeah. at Bridget McKenzie being grilled in Senate estimates about um, the 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 sports rot stuff, where she is incensed at even the suggestion that accountability should exist. Yeah, mm. they're just like, no, we're, <laughs> we're the government, we're in power, and that means that we do what we want, yeah. and th- th- nobody's allowed to come at us for stuff because we're the government. And so if somebody is like trying to say, maybe you shouldn't do this, or maybe this is, you know, fundamentally undermining democracy, they're like, you clearly aren't interested in undermining democracy or, 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 or that. You're just an enemy and you're bringing that to me as an attack. And so that's how I'm going to treat it. Yeah, that's a, that's a big part of it. But again, like, I mean, that's a, that's a really good point in that that's how they've been doing politics for a little while. And it wasn't too much of a stretch to imagine that they would bring in the attacks specifically on the left. But what they did, what Greg Hunt did in this clip is try to get someone who is not a leftist and use left wing as a smear. Mm. And this is what fascists do. That The fucking poem, like the first they came for the communists and the unionists, that they come for left wing people. And what they do is they make people left wing and then by, by de facto they are an enemy and then they come for them. Yep. It's fucking terrifying and it should be more roundly criticised. And just to tail into this as well, um, this week um, in particular, um, there's been a lot of talk and there's been an article specifically talking about ABC journalists being censured for what they say online. 
Um, yeah. And I think that's particularly relevant to note here because, you know, if you have government ministers saying, oh, you're like a left-wing journalist and what you're saying is wrong and is par- partisan, um, just imagine the kind of things that the ABC will do to, in order to suppress um, people from criticising their own organisation or government mm. ministers. Yeah, you see the ABC constantly going out of its way to make sure that it doesn't appear to be biased. But here, Greg Hunt is clearly establishing that even a lukewarm attempt to hold the government accountable for something that they're genuinely not allowed to do is a left-wing position, which means that the journalists actually doing their job, even at the most baseline level, is now outside of the charter of the ABC and must be stopped, which is really fucked. Mm, It's also important to point out that the ABC does uh, get its funding from the government and the government is constantly looking for ways to cut them because... They do question the government at times, and 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 quite recently they have been getting cut a lot, and their ability to hold the government to account has been severely weakened. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I I just want to go on a separate, real quick tear before mm. we wrap up about Greg Hunt. I just want to remind people <laughs> that Greg Hunt, uh, as the federal health minister, this is something I will never forgive him for. Shortly after Dan Andrews, this is before ma- masks were mandatory oh, in Victoria, <laughs> but after the outbreak, Dan Andrews released a thing saying. And if you're going out, consider wearing a mask. And within two hours, Greg Hunt's office had released an infographic explaining all of the dangers and risks of wearing a mask. Or if you've got a respiratory condition, you know, like, make sure you be careful. Talk to your doctor before wearing a mask. Here are all the ways that wearing a mask can spread coronavirus, like, even worse than not wearing it. Like, just this made-up bullshit as the federal health minister undercutting mask wearing at the outset of the pandemic specifically to score points against Dan Andrews and no other motivation. Shout outs this week. Fuck, Destiny 2 is real good. Turns uh, out. <laughs> <laughs> Lockdown hit and we're just like, what of our multiplayer games? Let's go. If anyone wants to um, like team up for a fire squad in Destiny 2, hit us up on Twitter. <laughs> Give us your handle. Yeah. We absolutely will talk about board games and video games at length. In fact, if you run a video game podcast, we'll happily guest. <laughs> we have a lot of opinions. I'll just backseat driver like I usually do. <laughs> um, another actual shout out is um, Ozpol Snack Pod. I don't know how long it's been since we've shouted them out specifically, but fucking... Good little podcast. Love them. Um, their Ep 85 is a Craig Kelly deep dive. So if you are interested mm. in all about um, Craig Kelly, the conspiracy theorist nut that we mentioned, we've been mentioning for a while, who spreads bullshit on Facebook, go check out Ozpol Snack Pod this yeah. week. Conspiracy theorist nut who, who spreads bullshit on Facebook and federal MP. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, federal backbencher. <laughs> Friend to Nazis. <sighs> oh, boy. What a fucked world <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to another episode of not good enough if you really touch uh we're at not good pod on all the socials or not good pod at protonmail.com you can be like man the world is fucked good episode and we'll be like yeah or you can agree with me about the having the electric router car <laughs> <laughs> please we didn't even have room for our one good news story, which that Crown Casino was rejected for a license in New South Wales. There we go. <laughs> there we go. We made it. Hell yeah. <laughs> Just during the tag out. <laughs> Not Good Enough is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.